<clears throat> R is for reflect. Now let's reflect on today's scripture from Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Thank you, Lori. Uh, the kids seem to be pretty talkative today. I think, <laughs> I think Sunday school is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so anyway, hello, Faith family, all of you here and also online. And uh, uh, to those of you who are new this morning, I just uh, I want you to know that whether you share our faith or not, you are welcome here. I remember my first year at uh, Faith Westwood, I was talking to our organist at the time, Linda Dasovic. She organist here for decades. Um, Linda now lives in Des Moines near her daughter. And uh, anyway, she asked me if it was okay if we could pray the Lord's Prayer a little more slowly. Uh, maybe I had been rushing through it a little bit as I led the, the church through it. But I, I took her request to heart. And I thought a lot about that since then. And ever, ever since then, I've been mindful to not rush through it. And if I'm in other churches where I hear it rush through, I, I notice it. And so, anyway, let's, uh, let's pray it together now. Not necessarily dragging it slowly, but uh, having enough time to ponder the words and their meaning. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this is our last Sunday in the series called The Prayer Course, and I'd like to invite up Laura Blumenthal. Uh, a lot of you know Laura. Uh, sits there with her mom and dad, Jake and Carol, and husband Nick, and their kids, uh, Brandon and uh, Caroline. And that's one thing she and I have in common is that we have daughters named Caroline. Yeah. Best name ever. So, and... Uh, uh, you've been coming to this church a long time. More than 40 years. I'm like, not going to get specific on that. Okay, yeah. like pretty much all your life. My whole life. I was baptized here. We were married here. Our kids were baptized here as well. So this okay. has been our home church my whole life. Yeah. And uh, I, I also have learned that, that you and Nick have established a lifestyle of prayer in your family. You want to tell us a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so when the kids were small and they went to the Love and Learn daycare here and they learned some cute little rhymes that they would say before meals and things like that, we would always do that. Um, we would do the now I lay me down to sleep prayer at night, that sort of a thing. Um, I didn't really get into anything more than reciting things like the Lord's Prayer and that sort of a thing with them. 
um, until I read an article on prayer, and it had said to be grateful or be thankful before you ask for something. So kind of similar to what we've been talking about. So yeah. I started then in my own like private prayer life thinking about before I jumped into, please help me with this or please let this go well, to say thank you for the rain today, to make the grass grow and things like that. Um, now with the family we do, we pray before meals. It's, mm -hmm. you know, we always are thankful for something and talk yeah. about protecting us in the coming week or the following day. Um, and then one thing I started with the kids when we were very young is we would pray before we pulled out of the garage in the car every day before school. Oh. So I'd always put my hand back and hold, we'd hold hands and we'd always just say a quick prayer, you know, watch over us during this test today or help us to, to go well. And then I just established this phrase that I always end with, watch over us and keep us safe, safe happy, and healthy. Yeah, very good. So. Uh, those, those are some great traditions and, mm -hmm. and habits for your family. I'm curious, though, you know, since we've been going through prayer these last eight weeks, um, what, what, have cha what has changed? What, uh, what's happened? Yeah, well, I, I told you how I would always kind of reflect on my day and the things that uh -huh. went well, things in my life that are going well, and I can ask for what I am hoping for, what's on my heart, and it took practice to yield and to, you know, thy will be done, not mine, which is hard sometimes to accept. Um, but the one thing that I had never done was to pause. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because I'm very busy and I like to be busy and I like to be going. And when I have a moment to myself, my brain is future planning. I'm going to go to the store and I got to pick this up and I have to go do this and leave by this time. And I could not have a quiet moment in my so, mind. So P was for perpetual motion, yes, right? <laughs> I like that. That was probably what it was before. <laughs> um, but so through this, series, I started thinking about, okay, I need to try to just pause. And that was something I was doing in my own personal prayer life. We were not pausing before pulling out of the garage in the morning because we did not have time for that. Um, we weren't pausing before dinner because we didn't want it to get cold. But in my own personal prayer life in the evenings, that was when I started practicing this. And it wasn't anything that I had talked to my family about. It was just kind of my own yeah. personal private thing. And then I thought it was interesting when I had been asked to do this and I was talking to my family about it, um, Caroline was like, I do that too now. Oh, and yeah. we didn't have any conversation about that. But I uh -huh. thought it was really neat that she said, well, w when Pastor Steve was talking about that, I try to do that more now too. And I thought, oh, that's, that's neat that we both kind of experienced that, but we didn't talk about it. Sure. Well, those would make great conversations in the family to mm -hmm. do. Uh, and... Uh, so anything else you'd like to add about all of this? Yeah, the, the thing that I thought was interesting was when Donna called me last week and asked me about this, she had called and said that she was talking with you and you were talking about who's going to be interviewed on this final sermon series Sunday. And Donna said that my family kind of popped into her mind and mm -hmm. she just wanted to know if I had any real thoughts about it. How had my life changed? because of the sermon series. And I told her, I said, I'm a little disappointed. I don't really feel like I have anything to share. And then I, as I started talking with her, then I started talking about, well, I guess the only thing I do now is pause and kind of shared what I just shared with her. And she was like, no, that's it. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. I felt like you were the perfect person to talk about this. And yeah. I just thought that was really a God thing because I didn't really think it was anything that profound, but it is. It's, it's huge. 
And, you know, like last Sunday, John Urich talked about how it was hard for him to do the A for ask. Other people might have a, a harder time with the Y for yield, and, and for you it was the pause. Mm-hmm. And so this, I think, puts us in a better frame to, to pray and to know who we're praying to and to uh, kind of be in that moment. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing with us. Welcome. During World War I, uh, the governor of California, Hiram Johnson, said this, the first casualty when war comes is truth. Have you heard that quote before? The first casualty when war comes is truth. And it's certainly been the case with the war in Ukraine. The, the whole invasion was based on a lie. We, we've, we've learned that the, the Russians, were, soldiers were told that they were liberating Ukraine from a Nazi regime. And some of them have found out that that's not the case. But you know, lies can run both ways. This past week, it was reported that Vladimir Putin's military leaders have been lying to him about how badly the war is going for Russia. I believe, I'm no military strategist. I believe, though, that this war will ultimately be won or lost not by equipment or by supply lines. It will be won and heart, won or lost in the hearts of the people, both Russians and Ukrainians. And the real enemy is not the Russians. Real enemy is not even Vladimir Putin. There, there are more sinister powers at work. These sinister powers can be found in every part of the world. There is a battle going on every day in our workplaces, our churches, our governments, our, our homes. Will we follow our Creator who loves us and who knows and wants what's best for us, or will we, we, will we be duped by the enemy the father of lies who delights in destroying us. One of the most important ways that we engage in that daily battle is through prayer. Many of life's battles will be won through passionate, persistent prayer. And that is the heart of today's message. Now, what do you think of that? Do you you believe that? Do you agree with it? Because if this is true, how would this change the way you pray? Many of life's battles will be won through passionate, persistent prayer. Let's open our Bibles. That sword of the Spirit, right? Let's open our Bibles. Grab the Pew Bible if you, if you, if you can. And, and we'll start looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 6, starting with verse 10. And here it describes this world as a battlefield. There is a spiritual war going on, and we need to be prepared for it. Near the end of the letter, Paul says this, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So as we enter the daily battle, we must not try to just do it all on our own. All on our own strength, Our strength comes from the Lord. We are made strong by his power at work in us. 
And then Paul compares God's power with the equipment of a soldier. We saw Tiny Pete getting all that dressed up, right? Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, what are the devil's schemes? Our enemy creates lies that infiltrate, uh, you know, our whole culture. And, and we, we live and, and breathe these beliefs without even knowing that it happens. For example, one of those lies is this. How I feel tells me everything I need to know about what is good and right and true. That's the lie. How I feel tells me everything I need to know about what is good and right and true. Now, this didn't start overnight. It started a few centuries ago, but it has been building and growing, and now this idea is everywhere. Now, feelings are important, to be sure, but to elevate them to this level is idolatry. We know that our hearts can easily be led astray. Our desires can deceive us, God is our guide to what is good and right and true, not our feelings. Let's look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's very powerful right there. Our struggle is not against people, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sounds to me like a video game. You think? But, it's, but this is the reality that, that Paul is, is, is describing for us. Now, the person who attacks you uh, physically, verbally, is not, is not your real enemy. There's an enemy behind that person. Now, with that person, you may have to create boundaries. Absolutely. You may have to protect yourself, your physical welfare, your, your mental health. But let the Lord help you to not hate them. Jesus says, love them. Pray for them. Because if we could pull back the veil that, that separates this world from the, the spiritual realm, we would see that there is a greater war being waged. We would see God's angel army battling the demonic forces of darkness. Now, how they do that, I have no idea. But I do believe that God's forces are engaged on our behalf against these powers of evil, and our prayers are our way of doing our part in the battle. Our prayers matter. Our prayers can turn the tide. Many centuries before Jesus, uh, when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and they were on their way to Mount Sinai, they were attacked by the Amalekites. And uh, during the day of battle, Moses went up high on a hill and, and looked down at the battle going below, and, and he, ra he, he raised his shepherd's staff as he watched. And the Israelites were winning. But when Moses' arms got tired and drooped 
and came down, the Israelites started losing. So Moses' brother Aaron and his friend Hur stepped in, and they each held up one of Moses' arms. And by the end of the day, the Israelites prevailed. Now, I think that we can see this story as, as for us, as a way of a picture of prayer in our spiritual battles. We still have to do our part by our actions, but we must not be surprised to learn, and let's say it together, many of life's battles will be won through passionate, persistent prayer. Like Moses holding up his shepherd, shepherd's staff over the battle. I was privileged to uh, get to go on the first mission uh, trip to Terrasas, Costa Rica from this church eight years ago. Uh, we served alongside this wonderful, loving missionary couple, Horacio and Esther, I think from Chile or Argentina, I'm not sure, but anyway, and they operated their mission out of this small cinder block mission center in the slum. And uh, we were with them, and we witnessed them just loving and blessing the kids there and teaching them Christian songs and Bible stories and helping them with their schoolwork, and, and they ministered to the parents who were mostly single moms. And we, we kind of helped out with the, the parents and the kids, too, and we, we painted the mission center, and we, we painted these cheerful little flowers along the foundation of the, of the building and, and a sign that announced that, that God had set up shop in the community. Next door to the mission center was a drug house. And it was very clear to us that the lines had been drawn. And we prayed for God's kingdom to prevail. Some from our team, even kind of secretly, laid their hands on the side of the drug house. And together they prayed that Satan's kingdom would be overthrown and that this place would be used for God's kingdom. The following year, we sent a high school student team and their adult leaders to Tarasus. And uh, that is when the first step of our prayer was answered. That week, the police raided the drug house, that, which they had done many times before. But that night, following the raid, um, no, uh, a fire uh, there was a fire in the drug house which, which gutted the building. Fortunately, no one was hurt. No other buildings were damaged. Uh, some suspect that the police may have been responsible for the blaze. But as a result, the drug house uh, shut down. And then, in the following months, the next phase of our prayers were answered. Gretel, the mission director uh, in Costa Rica, contacted the owner of the building, found, the, found her and, and, and got an audience with her, and, uh, and, you know, she knew she had rented it out as a drug house, but led by the Holy Spirit, Gretel listened to her and listened to the pain she had been through in her life and spoke God's love into her heart. And so there was a great ministry going on there, and then eventually she sold her property to Gretel's mission agency. 
And as a result, then both cinder block buildings were leveled and a new larger mission building was constructed on that, on that site just as Horatio and Esther had envisioned. And the battle was won in great part through passionate, persistent prayer. Verses 14 through 17, Paul lists uh, six things that God gives us to strengthen us in our battle against the evil one. They are truth and righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. And, of course, Paul compares, them, compares those things to the equipment of a soldier because without them we would be easily defeated. We've got to hang on to these things. And we need to know the schemes of the enemy. You know, I believe that Satan would delight in seeing this church fall asleep. And I don't mean literally, although that would be an issue too. But, but making, us, making us lethargic without energy, without purpose, with, with very little confidence in God's word or the work of the Spirit. But if he cannot put us to sleep, he has to use different tactics. The enemy will try to divide us, to, to uh, get us into power struggles about who's going to get their way. The evil one's strategy is to destroy us by dividing us. Have you seen that happen in churches? Paul warns the sisters and brothers in Galatia of this danger. He says, watch yourselves. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And so we will guard our hearts with righteousness so we will not be divided. We will be kind and patient and not easily irritated. We will, we will not hold on to our hurts and let them fester. Or we will not nurse our wounds or bear grudges. And we will make amends. We will make amends for our part in the problem. One item that Paul lists in Ephesians 6 is the gospel of peace. Do you see that? And I, you wonder, why does he say, why does he just say the gospel? Why does he say the gospel of peace? Well, one thing is he's not talking about the peace in our hearts. Now, that does happen, but I don't think that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about peace as in the, the opposite of hostility. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father and made us God's friends. That is the gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace also means that we are reconciled to each other. Through Jesus, we become sisters and brothers to one another. Now, we know families squabble sometimes, right? Not in your family? Families squabble sometimes, but healthy families work it out. And that's how they learn to live in peace. Healthy churches work it out. And that's how they learn to live in peace. 
they also rejoice in their salvation and they rejoice in taking the good news to others. And you know, I think that might be the thing that our enemy fears the worst is when we take the good news out of this building and we take it with us wherever we go. I believe, you know, that one of the things that the, the pandemic did for us is that it, it kind of really knocked aside a lot of what we were doing with, with learning to be a blessed friend. You know, you see these banners here. How do we relate to people who, who don't have a church, who, who don't claim to know Jesus? Uh, and and we, we, we take these, we put these five practices in place in our lives, in our relationships with them. And I believe that the enemy would just love for us to drop this completely. Just, just forget about it. I mean, it's easy to come up with reasons to drop it, right? Like, we don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, it was good for a time. That was Pastor Steve's thing. I'll forget about it now. And we can come up with all kinds of reasons. I'm too busy. I, I don't want to get involved in what another person believes. I don't live a good enough life. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to answer their questions. And, of course, everybody I know already has a church. Where do you think those excuses come from? You see, I believe God is calling us to pray for our friends and our family members and to pray for our neighbors and our coworkers. And God is calling us to listen to them and eat with them and serve them and share our stories with them. Now, very conveniently, today we're having a lunch uh, right after this service at noon, and uh, it's a blessed friends lunch, and anybody can come. You don't have to, you know, sign up. You just have to show up to be there, okay? And uh, we're going we're gonna to spend the first half hour eating together and enjoying our, each other's company. We're going to spend the second half hour uh, learning a little bit more about being a blessed friend. Uh, we're going to have four kinds of soup and bread and dessert and good conversation, and we'll be done by one. So this isn't going to take any more time than if you went home and made lunch, right? Sisters and brothers, we are ready. God has given us all we need. We are prepared. We are strengthened with truth and righteousness, the gospel of peace. We are strengthened by our faith and God, the salvation he's given us and the word of God. We are ready to stand strong and we won't give an inch to the evil one and his schemes. And then in the next paragraph, Paul reminds us to pray. Because this is where so much of the battle is going to be fought, is on our knees, is in our prayers. Let, let's put, put verse 18 on the screen. And I want you to notice how many times he mentions prayer in this one verse. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray, 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 pray. Then Paul asks them to pray for him that he would fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And I would ask that you pray the same 
for me. So all of you Jesus' people, let's pray. Pray for yourself and your battle against sin and temptation. Pray for your church that we would not fall asleep or be divided. Pray for those you know who don't, don't yet know Jesus. Pray for yourself that you could be the kind of blessed friend that God could use. You know, friends, it's, there is a battle going on in this life, in this world. We're a part of it whether we want to be or not. And who knows how many of life's battles will be won through passionate, persistent prayer. Now, in the pews, you will find cards with the P-R-A-Y on them. Uh, would you, if you see them, would you pass them down your row so everybody has a chance to get one? That would be great. And I'm going to invite you to write a, uh, a short prayer in below those red words there uh, about the spiritual battle, okay? Uh, now, it might be a prayer of forgiveness. You could write, Lord, I forgive or help me to forgive so-and-so. You know, forgiveness is a big part of the victory of the battles that we face. It might be a prayer for our church, Lord, that we would live out Jesus' values and not the values of the world. It might be a prayer for a friend of yours that he or she would come to know Christ. Or a, a prayer for healing of a relationship within, within your family or within our faith family. Or it might just be simply a prayer for peace. Let's pray. Lord, awaken us. Awaken us to the spiritual war that is being waged all around us. And today we receive everything you've given us to prevail in the daily battle. Oh, Lord, change our hearts, transform our minds, motivate us to pray passionately and persistently to be delivered from evil and for your kingdom to prevail. And now I invite you to, to take a couple of minutes and ponder and listen and pray and, and write down a sentence about a request, something you're asking of God about the battle. And uh, you're free to pray where you are seated. If you'd like to come forward, you may stand or kneel at the steps of the chancel.